0: A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's
1: Corey Davis. Wide
0: open. Davis. Still going. And he's in for the touchdown. Hill hit immediately Q-S. when he got the handoff. You know and it. <laughs> the QA. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From
1: the playlikeajet.com Digital Studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one. And we're going to break down the film of Marcus May. He's been on the tip of everybody's tongue lately because of the fact that there's all the discussion as to whether or not the Jets were going to sign him to a long-term deal. Did it make sense for May? Did it make sense for the Jets? The deadline passed. He's going to be back here on a one-year $10.6 million deal per the franchise tag. No long-term contract. So he will play out this season, and then we'll see where both sides are at at the end of 2021. So to break down the film and help us determine whether or not the Jets made a smart move by not committing. Luke Grant, our man who is the co-host of Play Like a Jet Live with You stadium Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, and of course does all the great film work on our YouTube channel, which you should subscribe to if you haven't already. Luke, what's
0: going on, brother? I'm going pretty well. Uh, looking forward to jumping into the Marcus May might sound a bit callous, but to be honest, I didn't really care whether he got an extension or not. I, I didn't really have a strong feeling either way, um, but the tape was impressive and looking forward to jumping into, into it today.
1: It's funny. You said that Luke, cause I said the exact same thing to you. If they signed him to an extension, great. If they didn't, I didn't care that much. I like may he's a really nice player, but he's getting close to 30 years old And do you want to commit to him right now? Again, if they had done it, I'd have been cool with it. But them not doing it, I totally understand given the circumstances. But as I said, he is a very nice player. And I want to start by talking about him in the running game because you really hear mostly about his pass coverage and what he does as a center fielder. But talk to me a little bit about what he's like as a run defender because I feel like that gets very under-discussed.
0: Look, I think he's okay in the run game. It's not the strength of what he does. Uh, obviously, when he's playing free safety, you don't typically impact the running game as heavily as you will when you're playing strong safety in the box, like we saw from Jamal Adams. But to start the season last year in 2020, Marcus May, the first five games of the year, played almost exclusively at strong safety. So we got a bit of a taste of that. What I'd say is sometimes if there's a pulling guard out in front of him and, or a, you know someone climbing to the second level and they get on his body, he doesn't have the play strength to disengage. That's probably the negative of Marcus May in the running game. What he does really well is knife into the backfield. He has really good anticipation skills. He can read and react, and that's the strength of his game all over. But in the running game, if he's able to diagnose the play, he recognizes the movement and the motion of the offensive line, and then he can shoot a gap he does that really well and really effectively. So that's probably the strength of him in the running game. Um, But as I said, when he's at free safety, which is his best position, you don't see it as much, but definitely uh, you got a taste of that in 2020, particularly early on in the year.
1: When he played early on in the year, he was mostly being used in that old Jamal Adams role, which was strange, but I thought he did very well in it. Now, he's known more for being a uh, free safety, a center fielder, somebody who occupies that role. But tell me a little bit about what you saw early in the season when Greg Williams was using him almost as a Jamal Adams replacement.
0: It was interesting, to be honest. It's like Greg thought, I can't get outside my scheme. I'm just going to use Marcus May as Jamal Adams. That was, it was it was a little strange. I would say he was blitzed a little more than I'd like Marcus May to be. Look, he was it was a mixed bag. Sometimes he was really effective. The first week against Buffalo, there were two instances of him on a nickel blitz. They'd line him up over the slot receiver like he was playing man and then would bring him on a blitz. And the first time he had Josh Allen dead to rights, not blocked, came into the backfield, but he didn't slow down his feet, didn't stop himself coming into contact. And Allen ended up breaking off a 20-yard run. The second instance, he came off, Allen was looking to get the ball out to the flat and throw to his hot behind the blitzing May and May did a really good job getting up his hands in the passing lane and interfering that. So we saw a little bit of that. Um, so that was one instance and uh, of him as that Jamal Adams role and how he was utilized. But even though he was playing as the strong safety in pass coverage, what Greg Williams so often did was rotate from a single high look. So one safety deep, which was, McDougal at the start of the year but marcus may would then bail and rotate into a too high look and that's where he really excelled scott so even though he was playing as a strong safety he was still really a split field deep safety looking after one half of the field and that's where i was so impressed with him that's the most impressive part of his game and, and i'm sure we'll get into that but i loved that and i think that's going to have importance down the line here in new york
1: Let's talk a little bit more about what he does as a pass defender. As you said, the most impressive part of his game as a free safety. That's where he ended up getting moved later in the season. What is his biggest strength there? What makes him such an effective player?
0: So whether he's playing free safety or strong safety, everyone thinks about a free safety as that single high guy. But Marcus May excelled in these cover two shells or these quarter shells the best attribute that he has is if he's in cover two and let's say he has two receivers to his side of the formation he has to identify who's going to go vertical and then he read it and reacts to their stem perfect example week one against buffalo stefan Diggs comes to him just before halftime marcus may identifies okay he's coming deep he's now my man in my cover two zone he's Stefan Diggs was speaking about, he sells that corner route and then runs a dyno, which is when you fake for the corner and then come back on the skinny post marcus may did such a good job being patient he didn't shoot his hips and bail early on the corner and then get exposed on the double move he read he reacted and he diagnosed and that's what he's really good at in those cover two looks another one against robert woods late in the year in that infamous jets win um same kind of situation he runs a post sl- kind of post slash dig route and comes back to the inside marcus may was there like he was running the route for him undercut it and if Jared Goff ended up going there which it was his primary read it would have been an interception that was the strength of Marcus May last year he had an interception against Miami where he went deep from a cover two zone covering Parker down the field and pulled off that interception where he was fumbling it behind his back and ended up uh, pulling it against his backside that was a huge strength of his game his movement and fluidity in space is really impressive but it's the IQ behind the between the ears that lets Marcus May excel. He's not the greatest athlete of all time, but he puts himself in great positions. He understands the game, understands his leverage, and that's the, the strength of him in zone coverage. If we talk a little about man coverage now, Scott, not to go on for too long, but that's where it gets a little shaky. In between the 20s, I like Marcus May as a man, man-to-man man defender over a tight end or even at times a slot-wide receiver. Um Again, even if he loses off the line of scrimmage, he's smart enough to understand, okay, we're playing cover one, I'm going to play with outside leverage, funnel him in, and then if he breaks out, I'm going to undercut the route and be in great position. So it's, again, his mental game that allows him to excel in man. Where it came apart a little bit for me was in the red zone. I think he gave up three touchdowns in the games I watched, so... One against Jordan Reed, where he was in terrific position against San Francisco, but got out muscled at the catch point. Another one against Tyler Higby, where he blew him up and had a touchdown in that Rams game, and then also lost a receiver on a switch release, uh, playing man-to-man. So I think that's probably the weakest part of Marcus May's game. And I know a lot of people say he's going to be playing strong safety in this cover three look, but... Realistically, Robert Sulla is trending away from cover three. And I think if anyone's playing man to man in those kind of looks, it may actually uh, be LaMarcus Joyner.
1: How much of an impact do you think LaMarcus Joyner is going to have on Marcus May's game this season? Because last year it felt like he had to cover for everybody else because he had such inexperienced players there playing alongside him in those roles. Do you think that Joyner's presence and his veteran leadership will help May a little bit this year?
0: for sure i think off the bat it takes the load off him as a leader you have another really good communicator a guy who's seen so many looks so many different you know uh passing plays and and schemes across the league he's played so many different positions he was free safety for the rams he played some nickel uh over for oakland and for vegas so uh, he's seen a lot. He's a good player. He's a good communicator. And the secondary is a weakest link kind of unit. So when you have a starting safety next to you, who's playing at a high level as well, like we hope join a will, it definitely makes your life easier. Uh, he's still going to have some shaky corner play around him. Don't, don't get me wrong there, but I think having that safety mate who can cover uh, they can be interchangeable pieces and he doesn't just have to play strong safety for 5 weeks and free safety for 11 weeks like we saw last year that's going to help him he's going to be more versatile he'll be that chess piece and i think sala's going to have a lot of fun with him play like a jet play like a jet let's talk a
1: little bit about the fun that robert sala is going to have with marcus may how do you envision him fitting in this system What do you think they're going to do with him in terms of usage? And compare it a little bit to what we saw from Marcus May in Greg Williams' system, because I would imagine it's going to be very different.
0: Yeah, let me pull the curtain back a little bit on Robert Sala to start with and what I think we're going to see from him. Myself included, when we signed Sala as the head coach and we we made that move and we all loved it, I think I kind of thought, okay, we're getting this cover three scheme. Albrich has been in that as well, so that's what we're going to get. When I dived into the film of Robert Sala in 2020, this is a guy who trended towards quarters and cover two looks. This is before he lost Sherman and Bosa in week one against Kyler Murray. They had two single high safety snaps in the first half. The rest was all too high. The single high living in cover three as your base defense, those days are dead. You can't do it anymore because the Shanahan offense, ironically, is what's destroyed them. There's too many cover three beaters. You can't just sit there like Seattle did or like San Francisco did in 2019 in their Super Bowl run. What Salah's going to do is utilize May in what I just talked about in his past game. A lot of these two high safeties, we've got two guys playing 12 12 yards plus deep uh, at the safety position. And he's going to be asked to read and react based on who's going vertical, uh, kind of man-matching in some instances. And look, they're still going to play some cover three. And when they do, I think there's two things you're going to see. So in cover three looks, if they're asking the, um, the underneath strong safety to be a robber, so maybe there's a crossing route. And instead of, you know, the zone or the linebacker covering him across the field, that safety will then come down and undercut and carry him into his zone. That's what Marcus May could be really great at but if they're playing a cover three and they're asking the strong safety to play man to man as i mentioned maybe you'll see lamarcus Joyner come down in the box and may return to free safety so i think the first comparison i'll make or not comparison but the point of difference to greg williams scheme is you're going to see a lot more diversity you're not going to see him sitting in the same coverage shells like greg williams did time after time i don't think you're going to see marcus may blitzed part of robert salah's scheme is He only usually blitzes one to two players over the course of a season. So obviously he's got his four defensive linemen, but he either brought Fred Warner or KK uh, Williams, the slot corner. They were the two guys he had blitz. In this instance, it might be Michael Carter II and CJ Mosley or Jared Davis. I don't think May will be used as a blitzer like we saw Greg Williams use him in the start of the year. I think he'll just more be uh, that rover and that robber down in the box if he's playing in that role.
1: Let's talk about expectations for 2021 overall in terms of production. Do you expect Marcus May to take a step forward? He hasn't made a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro. And we talked about this with Makai Becton and Quinton Williams. You expect both of them to be Pro Bowlers and perhaps even All-Pro players. Do you see that being a possibility here with Marcus May in the Robert Sala-Jeff Ulbricht
0: scheme? I think marcus may's success as an individual player and the accolades he receives is always going to be tied very heavily to the success of the team and that's not a knock on marcus may but when you're playing the safety position if you know sometimes it's not the most visible role fans aren't noticing it so if you're an elite safety on a 2 and 14 or this year a 2 and 15 team people aren't going to vote you to the pro Bowl last year he was good enough to be a pro Bowl safety heck i think he was one of the best Five, six, seven safeties in the NFL, but no one was talking about Marcus May, other than people who are watching every single jet snap. So, I think if he's going to get noticed and receive those kind of accolades league wide, the Jets are going to need to play better. They're going to need to have a better defensive unit. Now, do I think this is going to be a top ten defense? No, probably not. They don't have a good enough secondary on the outside at corner. But if they can be competitive and Marcus May can put up similar numbers and perform as well as he did last year, then it's there's a chance he can be that kind of pro bowl player. I don't think he's going to be an all pro. I don't think that's the caliber of player Marcus May is, but he's still really good. And, and that's something the Jets are going to need from him. They're going to need his veteran presence on the back end, his communication, his leadership. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and I'm sure Robert Sala is going to put a lot on his plate and he's going to be up for it. Something I would like to see, he dropped a few interceptions last year and that's been a something I've seen a few times. In week one, I'm pretty sure he uh, in 2019 this year, he had a dropped interception of Josh Allen that would have ended the game. It was over. After CJ Mosley went out, he dropped that. Uh, week one last year, dropped a interception on halftime, uh, and then they scored a touchdown after it to go up by three or four scores. So I want to see his ball skills improve a little bit. He's had a few circus catches, but bring down the balls to get two hands too, and I think he's going to take another step forward this year.
1: I always ask you if there are any specific plays or plays against individual players that stood out to you on the tape of these guys when you review them. Anything here of note with Marcus May? Uh,
0: I touched on a couple of them already. I think a lot of them came in cover two looks. Uh, I would say there were probably three snaps against Stefan Diggs. And as I always say to you, Scott, I look at the play the reps he has against great players and the best caliber opponents he goes against. And Stefan Diggs, first play of the game in that week one matchup, uh, he was running down the field, went into Marcus May's cover two zone, and then ran a deep out, kind of like a 10 to 12 yard out. And Marcus May closed on that ball. And if it was thrown, it was an interception. I already mentioned that the play from halftime of that game. There were three or four reps where he his acceleration and first step quickness just blew me away. I didn't really know he had that twitch. So that was pretty cool to see. Look, the the juggling interception against Miami was a special one. If you go back to, it wasn't last year, but against Pittsburgh, that pass breakup he had right at the end of that meaningless Week 16 win—that was a really impressive play. So he has that kind of circus play in him, and there's quite a few of those highlight plays. Uh, I think he had a juggling interception against Seattle this year as well, uh, that was really impressive in a a bad loss. There, they all kind of mold together all the the losses we've seen, but he definitely had a lot of those high-quality plays. But I think sometimes when you're looking at the safety position, it's not necessarily the splash plays you're looking for, but that down-to-down consistency and, and what he's doing on the back end and, and patrolling deep.
1: Luke, any notes that we missed here with Marcus May in 2020? Anything that you saw that we haven't touched on?
0: Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I would just say that everything for Marcus May starts with his intelligence, his understanding of leverage and positioning, and – his athletic profile is secondary to that. And um, he has an opportunity to be really good this year, but it's going to, you know what? Safety play is also predicated partly on corner players. I keep referencing and I just hope the jets give him an opportunity to flourish and that he isn't hindered too much by having to cover for blowing coverages from bless Austin or Lamar Jackson or whoever else is at the corner spot opposite, hopefully Bryce Hall. So I'm I'm hopeful the back end gets it together this year and that Marcus May can be really successful and they allow him to just focus on his role and not having to mop up mess everywhere else so that's my hope for him i don't think we missed anything else but let's just you know hope that he isn't used in that jamal adams role too much they aren't trying to force a square peg into a round hole they let marcus may be marcus may and him and join a flourish on the back end with some ashton davis sprinkled in a guy we haven't mentioned yet but was a third round pick last year so overall i think the safety group is really deep and really good but hopefully they're allowed to flourish with uh, with the corner play
1: Last question for you, Luke. At the end of the season, do you think Marcus May will have done enough that Joe Douglas, Robert Sala will sit down with Jeff Holbrick? they'll put their heads together and say, we can't afford to lose this guy, got to give him a long-term deal, or do you think that we're going to see the Jets in the same spot next year that they are this year in terms of how they feel about May? Good player, but not necessarily a great idea to lock him in long-term at his age.
0: That's a great question. I think there's two ways this could play out. Obviously, that sounds like a stupid thing to say, but if the Jets are really good and Marcus May plays like he did this year and they're a seven to eight win team, I shouldn't say really good, but you know, good comparatively <laughs> to what we saw in 2020, mm-hmm. I think they will get a deal done. I think either way, he'll play well enough to earn a deal. But if this Jets team stinks again this year and Zach Wilson has some growing pains and look, they might sit down and say, yeah, we want Marcus May back. I don't know if Marcus May would want to come back to a team that's been struggling, has issues in the secondary and didn't give him that contract. I think he and his agent are pretty put off by that. They had expectations. He was going to get an extension this off season. The franchise deadlines now passed. He can't get an extension. And if the jets are no good, I wouldn't be surprised to see Marcus may say, look, sorry, I'm going to go and play elsewhere. I want to play for a better football team, a team that respects me and values my talent. So if anything, I kind of view it as, Look, Joe Douglas is never going to blow him away. He's going to stick to his number and say three years, $30 million, $28 million, whatever it is. And I think Marcus May is ultimately going to feel disrespected and he's going to move on
1: going to be an interesting year to see if Luke's prediction comes true or if Marcus May ends up here for the next couple of years I know a lot of people would like to see him in a Jets uniform going forward you want to take care of the homegrown talent but at the same time as Luke just talked about and as I've talked about before as well there are concerns on the Jets side of things too plus Marcus May just may want to go somewhere else he may look at the Jets situation and say I'm 29 years old. I've only got a couple of years left in all reality as a starter in the NFL. I want to go play somewhere where I have a better chance to win a championship or at least play in the playoffs and contend for one. So this year will do a lot to show us what Marcus Mays ceiling is as far as the jets defense going forward and then we'll see if he ends up here on a long-term basis but if he is going to be here on a long-term basis there will have to be an agreement on both sides and that is something that we're going to need to watch for as well luke grant co-host of play like a jet live over on U stadium as always appreciate you coming on and breaking down the film you've got some great film breakdowns right now on our youtube channel so for those who haven't subscribed yet First of all, go ahead and subscribe. And second of all, Luke, tell them what they can check out and what they're going to see in the next couple of days and weeks and months as we get ready for training camp and then, of course, as we hit the regular season.
0: Yeah, we, we might have talked about one of the smaller player on the Jets roster, but there's a couple of videos up right now on our YouTube channel that play like a Jet of some of the bigger guys we've got a mckay Becton breakdown really focusing on him in the running game and just what a people mover he was it's incredible film and make sure you go and check that one out and williams in the defensive line looking at that unit in its totality and then also just one on Quinnen himself Uh, they were a lot of fun to put together i think everyone that that follows me and and follows us at the podcast and on our website knows exactly how we feel about Quinnen williams Um, And then look out for some more coming on the Jets secondary. I want to put a piece together uh, on Bryce Hall and his expectations in 2022, uh, sorry, 2021, because he was a guy I loved in the draft. I thought he was a guy I would have taken in the third round despite the ankle injury. So I I, want to see exactly how he fits into this Salah scheme if they're playing that too high, cover two, cover four. So excited to see that. But um, make sure you're checking it out. All the teams doing a great job. Uh, Pacers Playbook. And make sure you're checking out Play Like a Jet Live over on U Stadium. Uh, The guys do a great job producing and helping us with that show. So make sure you're checking us out on all the platforms
1: check out play like a jet live every wednesday night at seven o'clock with luke and clayton smarslock also follow luke on twitter at luke grand seven and check out all the videos he's already done and the videos that he's going to continue to do on the play like a jet youtube channel so if you haven't subscribed to that yet go ahead and do that now and if you haven't given us a five-star review On the podcast on iTunes yet If you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money But it goes a long way to help us out So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets Podcasts and content, you know where to go That's PlayLikeAJetDigital And PlayLikeAJet.com